All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I hate to break the fishing news after Ramchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for like an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Episode 250 of the Real Life Podcast. That's a high number. 250 episodes. Wow. I'm Tyler Rumtruck. This episode is brought to you by Oodle Noodle, where proceeds from all curbside pickup and in-store purchases go towards local charity. Check them out. 14 locations in Edmonton. Oodle Noodle, or you can check out all their noodle-related memes at Oodle Noodlegram yes, on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> That's a good plug. They they are good memes. Thank you. Find a better noodle meme, I dare you. Yeah, and that, that's the one of many things you guys have on Noodle King. Is, uh, the you know what? Someone Instagram. brought up Noodle King on Twitter last Because I think Surveyor like, Brett's running a Surveyor Noodle King Brett. Instagram or a, a Twitter. Motherfucker. Surveyor Brett. Surveyor Brett is a fucking animal these days on social media, both oh, yeah. with his memes and his alt accounts. Yeah. Uh, uh, the voices you're hearing, Bag Milk, Wanye, Jay as well. Um, plenty to talk about here in episode 250. Uh, starting with... An Oilers win and one that, you know, I mean, it was an electrifying win, but it has this fan base fired up. And it's only been, however, 12 days into the season, and we are already feeling the roller coaster of this all Canadian division win, where the Oilers lose and it's everything sucks. We're never going to win again. Connor McDavid's going to ask for a trade. Oilers win, and it's like, yes, Apulia Yarvi is the second coming. This team's going to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> it's amazing. We felt all four seasons in 12 days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people's careers now last a period online. 
and then you're just not nah, get out of here garbage well Wanya, you would know twitter right now better than any of us because you're highly involved in the oilers nation twitter account it. on uh, on oh, game yeah. days so do you see the replies throughout the game like goal goes in and it's like they should never play adam larson again they should send him to bakersfield and then they score and it's like holy shit this team I just love people who lip off the Oilers Nation account. They'll tag us and the Oilers yeah. as though we have any say whatsoever. But I reply to them as though we do have say. And they're like, oh, I can't believe Koskinen. I'm like, no, nope, we're very confident in Koskinen as they attack. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know who they think they're talking to, Bag Nugget. They think Ken Holland runs the Oilers Nation Twitter account or if it's actually Kate himself. Uh, either way, the thing that people need to know if they're listening to this, is that we do have a direct pipeline to the Oilers. Yep. So every tweet you reply at Oilers Nation goes directly to Daryl Case. I once sat next to Ken Holland in the press box at an Oil Kings game, and he, he just put his phone on like the space between us. There was like what? glass, but his phone is just on the other side. And his font size is huge. Like every time he'd get an alert, it would light up, and his font is fucking like the the highest setting you can get on an iPhone. It just says Pooley Arby, but there's just a P. <laughs> yeah, like he's reading it one letter time. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but let's talk about Pooley Arby a little bit because he finally got that look up on the top line. And uh, I mean, obviously, everyone's been hyped about him returning for a while. Uh, the videos you guys are posting of him and Larvinen are tremendous as well. Um, but last night felt like a big step for Puglia Yarvi, didn't it, Jay? Uh, huge. Um, this guy is, he's come to play, you know, like he's coming, he's putting in the energy, he's hitting guys, he's skating hard, he's forechecking, he's backchecking, and now he got a shot with the top line, and he's having fun doing it, and he had a shot with the top line, and he fit in. He, he, he was complimentary to that line. And that line was dangerous. And fuck, I thought, like, oh, I was really, after there was twice there, I thought he scored. I was just yeah. like, I just, I'm really pulling for the guy. But the thing is, is that he's fitting into that line. He can play on that line. He can make an impact on that line. And, like, that is something we needed. Uh, and I'm just, I'm honestly just so happy for the guy because we, we did him wrong, you know, those first few years. We, we, we played that hand poorly. And the fact that Uncle Ken and Tip could whisper him back and, and, and you see him smiling, you see him after he almost, right at the end of the game there where he, where he, was, where he was falling and almost slid that puck in and he saw his reaction with a smile on his face. Like, this kid is happy where he is. He is seizing the opportunity. He is showing us and playing to his potential. And, you know, he still has he still has room. Like, he's still going to get better. Because yeah. he's he's not he's not fully his confidence isn't fully there yet, but he's starting to he's starting to show us what he's got. And man, you know, it's just it's just such it was so relieving. Like that game was it was more than just a win, right? It was the Jesse the Jesse Puliarvi come out party, and you know we gave him the chance, we gave him the stage to to perform at, and fucking sure as shit, our boy JP came and performed. Like I couldn't be happier for this guy. He leads the NHL in smiles per 60. Like he, every play, man, it, he could hit the post. He can get robbed. He can be getting into a shoving match with someone in front of the net. And like the play ends and he, he just has like a massive smile on his face. You mentioned like, you know, the Oilers did him wrong in his first stint here. But part of the reason he's so effective right now is because like clearly something changed in his, like 
his approach to the game is totally different. He's not trying to be, you know, the perimeter guy who's just going to try rip home pucks from the top of the circle. Like he, something clicked and he finally understands that head down, go to the net, stick on the ice and use the fact that you're way bigger than everyone else to your advantage. Yeah, no, he's, 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 well, he's confident. Yeah, he's more confident in his frame and he's using it. But the other thing is, though, it's, it, he, like, he, and you even saw it in, like, games one and two where he was a little nervous with a puck where he was, that, that shoot first mentality was going, or he would get the puck and he would just stop skating. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he actually tried to make plays and try to go around guys, and he was going around guys. Like, he was, you know, he was, it, it was a completely different player last night. Like, it was it was so good to see and like he and the, the goals are going to start showing up here like it's just a matter of time like it's it's happening Connor Connor's going to find him some of those shots he has are going to go in and it, he's a different player than he was before because you're right he was he was Bambi all over the ice his legs are flopping around all over the ice he's shooting any chance he got the puck you could see his nerves but like we saw a confident kid there last night and like. Now we're going to really see who, what what player what kind of player we have in our hands. If you're asking, I noticed will Yessi Puliyarvi win the scoring title in 2021? Yes, <laughs> yes he will, bitch. Uh, if you if you were to take the tone of Oilers Nation as that question, like everyone's so in on the hype right now. <laughs> the thing I notice about him the most is he's also playing with Connor and and uh, and Nuge. Those two are going to move the puck around very effectively whenever they get it. The thing I like about what Jesse's doing is he's just going straight to the greasy areas. He is parking his big carcass in front of the net, hacking away, chipping away, poking at loose pucks, and it's creating havoc. Nude scored last night because Jesse drove the net, caused a rebound, and the loose puck came out where Nude banged it in. That play doesn't happen without Jesse driving to the front of the net. So I think he's being really effective. He's huge. He's 6'5", so parking himself in front of the other netminder is going to cause all kinds of mayhem, and it's been a lot of fun for me to watch him just execute on that, even in his first game with McDavid and Nugent. We're drinking the Kool-Aid hard right now, but can you imagine if he turns into 6'5", Kyler Yamamoto? Like, are you kidding me? Like, if he if he has that element, and I think he does, it's in him, but, like, making like for, turning pucks over on the forecheck, having good hands in tight, if he can be, like I said, 6'5", Yamamoto, like, that's just... Such a huge development for this team. We've been crying for top six wingers for so long, and it's like, fuck, there are two in the organization that might be fits here. Uh, well, in Yamamoto, man, his engine does not quit ever. No. And it is very impressive. It's like one of those old Toyotas that they pull out on commercials after a million miles that's still running. He's incredible. Yeah. He is incredible. Yeah, and, and, and I think that can become infectious. But I wanna, I'm going to talk about Yamamoto, but I want to bring up one more thing about Pooley Arby. I can't remember who he hit, but how he almost dumped that guy over yeah. the board. Oh, like yeah. the physicality he's bringing is top notch. But over to Yamo, his goal—that's exactly like that's that's what Connor sets up Chase on to do so many times. Yes, he, he never done. can convert them. He's uh, always saying, there right, Yamo, boom, there it is. Yes. Hello, let's go." And then, the, and then, even like that little bugger, net front guy on the power play there for the one PP. And, and he's just getting abused, but he just, like, wants – he's just fighting for his space in there. Like, shows up in the blue paint. He's just going to pounce on that thing. The little honey badger the Yam- Yamamoto is. Like, it's just – it's. this is good. This is good. 
I feel like, like Connor. I know you brought this up, Jay. I feel like Connor has a set play in his mind with Chase on that Chase on cannot execute for shit. He and did, Connor always he, tries he did, to do he it. He did for one year and he cashed in on it, and then he's not been able to do it yeah. since. I'm surprised they didn't put Chase on on waivers today over Tyler Ennis. Like that right. move. Well, that doesn't make any me. sense. I don't that, get it either. Like that Tyler, they don't. Are they, do they want to move on from Ennis? Like that's that, that's what that tells me. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like if you're going to do it, there's a very little chance that Chase on would get claimed on waivers. Whereas I think if I'm a team looking for some offensive depth, I take Tyler Ennis at a million bucks every day. I think, the I think you got to think about this marketing though, bag milk right now. If anyone's listening that makes decisions for one of the other 29 teams, Chase on's an excellent move. And my colleague bag milk saying no one would claim him may have be erroneous. He's excellent value. <laughs> yeah. You, please do not take out Chase on. Chase on. We couldn't afford to lose him. <laughs> he is integral to everything we've got going on over here. He's just, joke aside, he is just so replaceable in this lineup. At five on five, he does close to nothing. And at least Ennis oh. brings you some speed on the four check. And in front of the net, like we've already seen, you cannot have Chase on in the lineup and just play one of Puglia, Neil, or Yamamoto there. And it works better. So, that, that, yeah, I was surprised at that. I really hope Ennis clears because, again, at a million bucks, um, that I, I like having him around. My bold prediction on Oilers Nation Radio this year uh, was that Ennis would finish top five in team scoring. Uh, I was quickly wrong about that. That's just not going to happen now. Uh, Chalmers has popped into the podcast. Chalmers, the, the Oilers win last night. What do you think? Buddy, I, it's so funny that I'm late for this because, like, when I woke up this morning, I was really excited to do this podcast today for oh. a myriad of reasons. One being <laughs> that the Oilers, the Oilers game was awesome. And I knew that you got when I came in here, there was no shock to me that you guys were going to sound like this. Upbeat three and four. Come on, you guys. Like, come on. I know. We won. That was a team on the second half of a, of a doubleheader. And we had them dead to rights in the second period. And in the third, you know what we did? We started to do what we used to do, and we let them back in. Yeah. We let them back in, and yeah. it was frustrating to watch. And so, yeah, am I happy that they pulled it off? Yes, I am. Did they have to score with 0.2 seconds of yes. the clock on yes. a power play? Yes, they did. Yes, so, they did. did Yamamoto have a great game? Did Pugliarvi look great? Yes, they did. Do but you let- second my prediction that Pugliarvi will win the scoring title uh, no, he's going middle no, of start, but, but he's he, got all the momentum. Okay, but you know what he has done? He's erased all the bullshit that he did for me. Like he's just this happy-go-lucky guy now. That's like having fun, loving life. You know, being here. And when he did what he did to the others, I really disliked him. Like I, he was very hateable to me. It was we very were saying hateable. earlier that, that he was done dirty by the oil. You think it's the opposite? I think he was done dirty by his agent. I think he was done dirty by the business of hockey. I think it was, you know, I don't think that it was him. I think he's a young, impressionable guy who speaks, you know, who's from another country. And I think there was a lot of factors into it. But I also think that at some point you have the power to be like, this is, I want to play for this team. Like, I want to play. And I want to stop making this, um, you know, gigantic distraction. And so I kind of wasn't a big fan of his. I would have been fine if he went away. And in seven games, he's done a really, really, really masterful job at like changing my mind in that way. Because he's is he the best player in the NHL at this moment? 
No, yes, sure. What do you? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, wow, maybe. wow. I feel like Shia LaBeouf on that meme. Where he, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yes, yes. Excellent. Because yes. I know that's what you want to hear. But you want to wave Connor? No, okay, but You're the crazy. the Ennis thing caught me off guard as well. This yeah, morning. And great. I do agree with you on the chase on thing. Ennis is like, we haven't even. I haven't even seen him like really in an Oilers jersey. I haven't. Yeah. It's been it's been weird. And but but I was the other reasons I was very excited to come on this podcast is obviously that was a hell of a weekend of sports and like from the McGregor fight to the to the, to the football games. I mean, and I mean sorry, Liver, Liverpool Man U that was tremendous as well. Uh, of course, how could you forget that one? Um, <laughs> you you just segued into the football talk, Chalmers. Oh okay. man, fuck my bills! Just you can't stop the Chiefs. I'm. Oh, the Browns almost did. No, the Browns couldn't even beat the Chiefs back up in the fourth quarter. They almost did. The Bills <laughs> almost. The Bills no. definitely did not. The Bills no. did not beat Patrick Mahomes and one of the best offenses in honestly NFL history. When you look at the okay. weapons they have. Can you stop living in the past, JR? The Browns were a week ago, okay? Yeah. We're on to uh, Kansas City and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the Bills here. And when it was 9 nothing, I'm sure there was a few tables being broken. And oh, yeah. Then it was 21-9, oh, to nine, and you remembered why Kansas City was the best team in the league. It's just, yeah. yeah, Mahomes is just automatic. The one thing I will say, though, the broadcasters might overdo it a little bit. I've been watching some funny TikToks about it, but like yesterday at the end of the game, when Tyreek Hill is like yelling at the Bills, Mahomes comes over, basically tells him to shut up. And Tony Romo's like, oh my God, the leadership, this guy, complete, he is just the best ever. Look at the way he tells Tyreek Hill to go back to the sideline. That's what the greatest quarterback ever does. And like, sometimes he does things and the announcers, just because it's Patty Mahomes, like lose their fucking marbles. So the, the, the moment that they showed that was, I think you're thinking of the same one was when he was trying to push them all back. There was yeah. a sort of a little bit of a pushing, shoving match on the field and it was getting kind of out of control. And he was running up and down the sidelines, pushing players back. And they were all, Oh yeah. What a, gee, that's a, that's a leader. That's a leader right there. He's a hero. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, like, come on. <laughs> all right. A little far. Um, we won't spend too much more time on football. Cause I know our listeners just want us to talk hockey. Uh, but who who's to blame for the Packers losing? I know we do have a lot of Matt Packers LaFleur. fans that listen to this. Is it Matt Lafleur? Is it the refs? Is it Aaron Rodgers? No, it's Matt I would LaFleur. say it's That's more Lafleur, but some Rodgers. Why did you not run that? Run, in? baby, run! He's ran in for a touchdown already in the playoffs. Why would he, he not take off? He runs in for TDs all the time. Also, so just like discount double check, leaving points on the board when Brady had three interceptions as well. Like that's tough. That's real tough. Really tough. Really tough. And like you, I don't know if you guys saw the um, Aaron Rodgers when they asked him, do you think that was the right idea to kick that field goal? And he's just like dejected. Like he's got no, he just, it wasn't my decision. Um, I understand the thinking, you know, goddamn well, he didn't want to do that. He don't fight all season to be in that position and they kick a field goal. Like that's, it was mind blowing. And that's all people keep talking about this morning. But like, it really truly is one of those things where you go, this is the, like, this is the NFC championship. What are you doing? Yeah. I think coaches sometimes, I think in all sports as well, this can come back to hockey too. Like they just think themselves into a pretzel, but especially in football when it has to be so instant and it's just like, Hey, what do the analytics say? What do they, how's this happening? Like they just think themselves into this weird warp where like everyone on Twitter is like, you 
throw that ball, you go for it. And even if you don't get it, you still just have to stop the Bucks and then go get a touchdown. Like to kick the field goal because you want to potentially try drive the field and win the game. Or some people were like, oh, we well, don't want to give Brady the ball with that much time. But it's like, well, you're giving him the ball anyways. Like, does it matter if he has to drive the whole field or just get two first downs? Like to me, force him to try drive the field. I just, the Bills did it too on fourth down twice where they don't go for it in the red zone. And I'm like, yeah, like you said, Chalmers, you play all year for those moments. To yeah. go to fucking, that'd be like the Oilers getting a power play with two minutes left in a tied game and being like, we're going to rest Connor McDavid for this one. Yeah. And then the coach, the guy who hasn't, like, yeah, he's put in the hours. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And that is mentally draining. But physically, you're standing on the bench at that moment. You physically put your body at risk all year for this. And you look over and they're sending in the field goal team. You had to have just been like, what am I doing? What is, what are we doing? Like, what oh, am I left. I would have, I would allow it and just. I would have been sat right down off. there, forced to call a timeout. I got to give a oh, shout out because this weekend, uh, the, on on Sunday morning, I got a message from a friend of ours. Uh, we call him KJ, and he doesn't have a betting account, but he really, he just had this feeling. He really wanted to put money on Tampa Bay, so he asked me if I would put money on Tampa Bay for him. And I said, I don't know, man. I, you sure you want to do that? He's like, Yep. I don't know, man. The juice is like seventy points a day. So he said, Well, what do I win? What do I win if I put a hundred down? And I said, Well, they're right now they're one plus they're plus one forty eight. So you would win one hundred and forty eight dollars if you get if you transferred a hundred. I would be giving you back two forty eight if you win. And he's like, Yep, do it. So I did it on my book, and I was like, I was ready to bet the Packers, like and heavy, and I. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't like have two of those slips on the same account. So I backed them up and I backed them up big. <laughs> he was right. So, and I would have lost money that like yesterday. And then, and then, so I, yeah, so we, we won big on the morning and I took all that and did the, did the chiefs parlay with the over uh, on the night game. And so it was a very successful weekend. Did you guys have the same thing? No, I bet on the no, Bears okay. and Packers. Yeah. This, this weekend was, this weekend was bad. I was on Packers. I was upset that the Oilers were. Yeah, I went heavy. I went heavy uh, Packers. I took the points and Bills. I even I even teased the spread a little bit just to hedge it and uh, got my ass handed to me. But last night I got greedy because I I didn't think the Oilers were wor- worthy of beating the road favorite, given the fact that Winnipeg's record was much better than ours. Uh, and it, so it was I a romp or swap between the pipes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I played the so I played the puck line. I got greedy. Oh. So I I I I um live bet it. I missed the start of the game because I was just busy and I didn't bet. So I live bet them at one nothing. Uh, at yeah, at a plus one sixty or something like that. So the oil. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't boy Chalmers. Yeah, well, just get you on the podcast periodically. And you're right back in the mix. <laughs> just right back in the mix. Back it was exciting. It, yeah. So I don't know. It, I thought it was a great weekend. The Conor McGregor thing, or Conor McGregor thing, sorry. So you, you guys care about that at all? Pretend, pretend I didn't watch. Pretend I missed it. Okay, so I haven't seen any clips from the fight. We were at a hotel in Jasper, and so I couldn't get the fight. So I was, like, watching it on Twitter, kind of. Like, just from the comment section. And um, But what we had done was, right before on Sportsnet, they have the build-up to the fight. It was about an hour-long show. And my wife and I started watching it when we got home from skiing. That fight was like a hundred bucks, maybe seventy five. Yeah. At that moment, if if the if we could have got it in the hotel, she would have said, "Get it." And like spending seventy five dollars on a fight for my wife is like something she just would not do. 
but she was watching the build up to this thing and she was in like hook, line and sinker. And it was great. Like it, like it ended up being the guy, the underdog, man. That goes back to your, to your big rant you had about Story a month fight. ago. Story sell. Story yeah. sell. Story sell, man. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely bang on with that. Yeah. You watch an hour documentary and all, like you're ready to sort of run through a wall. Like you want to watch it. Um, that's interesting. I did not hey, watch the second of the fight. Anybody watch the Tiger documentary? Oh, God, I, know yeah. I still need to watch the second episode, so don't get too ahead on this. Man, it is good, but holy, I just... The, the only thing I want to say is how different it was to have the Tiger documentary, only two parts, come out, you know, about a year or whatever it is after the Michael Jordan documentary, because in the Jordan documentary, he got last say on everything. When you watch the Tiger one, you can tell he <laughs> clearly yeah, Tiger, did not. But Tiger appears at the end of it for like one second. But I don't know if he had editors cut on that one. Well, but for him to be, and I'm not ruining anything for him, but he appears at the end and was like, this is my life. Yep. Like, he must be aware of it on some level. Has to be aware of it on some level, but I think that if he was like, MJ in the editing room in the yeah. same way he probably would have some yeah. of those stories would have been left. It wasn't the Tiger Woods like official biography by any stretch. But man, Pretty the, wild. the the relentlessness of those top athletes in their prime is just it's something I'll never get enough of watching. So that's what you take out of it the most? Like that's what the most intense part about it is? Like what <laughs> like no, I'm just sad cuz I don't know what it is. I haven't seen it yet. But well, I'm trying to telling me it's I'm Chalmers, to, that hoodie, by the way, is just everything in the world. So just, good. Like that? They just got him. That's fly as fuck. Oh, yeah. It's like a Club uh, Monaco. This is in yeah. a audio this is a audio podcast, so Chalmers is wearing an all white Edmonton Country Club hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um and it looks like a Club Monaco hoodie from back in the day because yeah, it's, it like, it's just a circular logo. It's their hundred and twenty fifth anniversary this year. Fuck. I remember the hundredth anniversary like it was yesterday. <laughs> I know. Right? I, know. I still have like a rain jacket or some shit. We are getting old, my friend. Oh I, Speaking of old, I'm not I'm in, at my desk as you noticed today. Yeah, not in the car. I went skiing this weekend and guess what I can't do anymore today? Walk. Walk? Yeah, I got an old man injury, straight up, and it's not even like it's like a weird one. It's where like I was I was stretching on the floor after because you know my body was hurting on Sunday morning, and I cracked my ankle. Like you know when you roll your ankle, yeah. and it cracks. Like, yeah. and I instantly got the pain as if I just like level five rolled it. Oh no! And now I have like a high ankle sprain. It can hardly walk. Chalmers oh, no. broke like a, his own ankle. <laughs> stretching <laughs> with it up in the air it's crazy man i don't like this i'm actually very frustrated by it how are the slopes awesome cold cold but awesome yeah yeah Jasper's really cool like you, you if in order to get a parking stall anybody that's going to jasper uh you basically the, the first parking lot fills up by like eight o'clock the second one by like eight fifteen. by nine o'clock if you're not at the hill you're probably not getting a parking stall that's weekend remind you mm. um but yeah, it's awesome. Um, they, they do their best. We had a barbecue outside, you know, like you get warm up in the car. They still have the chalets. I mean, it was, it was cool. We had a fun, we had a good time. Feel safe out there too. Like how, you know, measurements and all that with COVID in place, yeah. like it's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's you, I mean, the best thing about skiing is that you want to be wearing a face mask the whole time. Like your face is cold, yeah. right? So most everybody's wearing face masks. Um, they're very, very strict about where and, and how you line up and how you get in and out of the building. Um, 
So that's really, really good. I didn't see like the ski rentals because I know that would be a stressful one because oh, ski yeah. rentals is an area that always used to get super packed and people were just going back and forth and all over the place. So I never did witness that one. Um, but what was the other really good, good thing? So I don't, at Jasper, if you guys know, there's a mid chalet, there's a mid mountain chalet. Yeah. And it used to have like, it had the best fire pit and was just a, basically a, a mid mountain party. Um, it was depressing to ski by it. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, a few people standing outside having their hands over the fire, but nothing like what it used to be. So, uh, I'll be back. I know. Oh, I'm, I, know, yeah, I know. I know. I, uh, I'm with you. I, I noticed the same thing when I was there. Yeah, you'd have, you know, definitely skiing sober a lot more in the co- in, in this in this type of uh, <laughs> environment. <laughs> you can't go in and sit down and get probably, drunk. Probably a good thing. Yeah, not a bad thing. Well, apparently, I injure myself when I'm sober. So, I was, you're not as loose. Yeah, exactly. So, no. All in all, it was perfect. I mean, I we're gonna go skiing a lot yeah. in the next couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I want to try to get out this year. I didn't get out last year. It was first year in a long, long time that I didn't get out skiing once. I regretted it big time. Um, we have a listener profile to do. I'm, I'm going to take that right now. Yeah, brought to you by Oodle Doodle. Um, this one is from Caden Den Oodston. Den Oodston. Caden Den Oodston. I really hope I'm saying that right. Um, he starts off with just, before he answers the question, he just puts four and a half. Oh my! I don't get what that means, but you know, mm-hmm, not bad. He's keeping it pretty legit. Go on, go on. Caden Denuston, four and a half inflated, but not necessarily impolite. This is before the buzzer beater last time. You filled this out, as yeah. Oh, this is from a while ago. It could be anywhere. This now. is after the uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, <laughs> series. That was a snapshot in time. For Caden knows it's not polite to point. He's a social media manager <laughs> slash marketing assistant. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> social media manager. So, I mean, marketing assistant, social media manager, he could give us some feedback on how he thinks this real-life listener profile thing is. Is this, you know, a good a good marketing idea for us? Uh, he lives in Lacombe, so, you know, just a little bit uh, south of Edmonton, and it's home of the world's largest fishing lure. Len Thompson. Ooh. Lenny T's are from Lacombe. Yeah. I love how many five of diamonds. It's a giant five of diamonds lure. Yeah. I love how many places in Alberta have like world's largest this. You know, like the Pasenka in Vegreville or the sausage in Mundare. <laughs> so There's, odd. Uh, the mushrooms, the mallard, the mallard of Andrew, the mushrooms oh, of Vilna, yeah. the landing pads of Saint Saint Paul. Yeah, the landing pads. You of hit Saint his. Paul. You hit his wheelhouse. You're yeah, 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 the Jay, you rampant got STD <laughs> of Bamp. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've got uh, I've got families. The rampant SCVs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't make him say it again, Jr. <laughs> I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I'll listen back. <laughs> uh, oh mercy! Keep going, your abject. Uh, he started listening to the podcast, <laughs> and I, I love this because so many of our listeners are like day one, or so many of the people we profiled are like day one. I listen to every episode. He goes July twenty twenty. Yeah, we uh, caught him. He was bored, and we got him. Uh, he wants to give a shout out to his friend Austin for recommending the podcast fifty times. Oh, Damn, Austin! Austin, Austin, Austin. Someone, sounds like Austin is the one that deserves the listener profile. Yeah, oh, wow, Austin, well, if you're I listening know, to this, you're your own one. I know for a fact, LA Liquor in Lacombe has just been restocked with Nation beer. Oh, well, there you what, go. Are you trying to sell him something? He's trying to be nice to us here. You're like, that's great. Yeah. What I want to buy him. I want to buy him a four pack. Oh, I see. 
I don't know if I'm illegally allowed to say that. If you're okay, hey, if you're handing out beer, me and me and Connor listen to this podcast like a lot. We if, <laughs> yeah, if I don't care. If you're of age, uh, we should talk. You should if you're not of age and you have a reasonably good idea, we can talk. Yeah, and then nope. uh, for Mm-mm. for all your for all your uh, home decor needs, you should go to Downton and Co in Lacombe, and for all your lunch needs, you should go to Out and About. Uh, what is happening Tank, right now? Tanko Cafe. I don't know. He's fucking an infomercial for <laughs> Lacombe. <laughs> Wait a minute. Down, is this brought down, to us by the tourism board of Lacombe? Are, yeah, like, are you doing like a bar stool sports thing where they're trying to save Michigan businesses? You're the U.S. nation trying to save Lacombe businesses, or what? I hey, I got family in Lacombe. I gotta, I got, I gotta help them out when I can. Oh, I didn't. Well, I should have known that, but I did not know that. Okay, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mind. said go. I said for hey Chalmers. I said for all your home decor needs, go to Downton and Co. That's either a hell of a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a hell of a coincidence. <laughs> I, on your end, Jack. <laughs> his favorite podcast moment. Keep in mind, he's only been listening since July 2020. Caden says Chalmers arguing about backing into parking stalls. He admits he never backs into a spot. Oh, I love this. No, guy. that's okay. We all, all make mistakes. At least you didn't bring up Jumgate, eh, We all make mistakes. Yeah. Huh. Favorite sports Favorite. memory was the 2016 Memorial Cup in Red Deer, says he went to every game. And oh, since wow. he doesn't live in Edmonton, um, he's never been to Oodle Noodle. But, Caden, next time you're in Edmonton, you should. And he already has his order planned out. He'd do the pad thai with green onion cakes. So there you go. Well, you've got you've figured half of it out, Caden. You just need to see this through. He's got to drive a little bit. Oh, come on. How far is Lacombe? Oh, six, hours, six or hours. seven hours by phone. Oh my god! Hour, hour, hour and fifteen max. Yeah. If you go by boat, you can do it. No, no. What's the serious answer? Is it an hour and fifteen? Yeah, yeah. It's like a hundred and ten k's away. So oh. on the way to Calgary. Well, that's not far at all. He could he could come in and get some noodle at some point. Oh yeah. Have somebody bring it to him. Maybe next time you go to see your family there, Jared. Bring or we'll just open a store in Red Deer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. There's your Oodle Noodle listener profile. And, and I'm you're just... a good man. Thank you for listening to our show. I apologize for it. I highly suggest spitting chiclets instead. <laughs> I, uh, I... <laughs> I just updated our, uh, or the sheet to make sure we got like fresh ones from everyone on Twitter. And, uh, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more to go until we're all caught up on all the listener profiles that people have sent us. And we're a brand Thank you new... for playing along, everybody. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know names. It's nice to hear stories. Joe Rogan didn't do that shit. Nope. Nope. Three hours of nothing. Yep. That guy. Oh come no on, love. Chalmers. I'm just kidding. I, I haven't listened in a long time. You know what else Joe Rogan doesn't have? A promo code at Twig and Berries. Hello! <laughs> Twigandberries.ca, where you can get <laughs> the <laughs> getting lucky threesome. <laughs> Justin. Oh, sorry, you wanted that? Ooh. Uh, you can get the getting lucky threesome just in time for Valentine's Day. A nice red pair of their nutsack underwear, a nice red long sleeve, some socks as well. It's only 50 bucks. That and so much more. No judgment, no shaming, no fancy words. Just real men. Twigandberries.ca. Also, shout out to their sales section, which uh, as a good Ukrainian boy, I love a good sales section. They got some quality products in there. And you can also use the promo code NATION15 for 15% off your order. So there you go. Twigandberries.ca. Well uh, done here, I'm Chuck. Anything else from the Oilers' start to the season that's caught anyone's attention? Anything else you guys need to get off your chest? Speaking uh, of twig and berries, I thought that old Daryl was going to pummel Wheeler last night for hitting oh, him in the stick. Yeah, yeah, that would have been it. That would have been a good fight because Wheeler's tough. Um, so is Dar- Darnell as well. But that would have been I think we, I think Wheeler knew that he had 
it was a little cheap shot giving it to him yeah. ribs like that. He didn't he didn't really like stand up for his for what he had done very much. He just I know, but he's away. very accountable too. So he probably been like, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, I did that. Mm. I'll pay the price. Let's go. But yeah. I know nurse nurse like he's also probably trying to coach a penalty on a nurse, and it was a very uh, important point in the game too. So a power play either way could have been damaging. So. Yeah. One thing I'd say about last night's game here, I'm Chuck. One of my uh, many Oilers-related hobbies is wringing my hands and lamenting people we let go too early. Mm-hmm. You know how I love doing yeah. that, right? At no point Ooh. last night, watching Laurent Bassois play all right against the Oilers, did I miss him as a goalie ever. He's, that, he's gone on to have an okay career, but I don't know what the hell we were getting when he was here. He's just—he is what he is. He's an incredibly average backup goaltender, like. There will be the odd night where he gives you, you know, 35 saves and he plays great. But for the most part, he's just going to have a 900 save percentage and he's going to give up three goals a game. Like, that's just kind of who Brassois is. I think in that situation there, like with Hellebuck, and Hellebuck would start all 56 games, I think, if he could. Um, I think he's probably in a decent spot is Laurent Brassois. But yeah, I don't miss him here either. Like, when when they're playing the Habs, you miss Jeff Petrie because you're like, fuck, why oh, can we sure have that in our lineup? But not with Brassois. Mm-mm. No, somebody said on Twitter, like, oh, they all gave up on Brassois too soon. I'm like, I don't know that they did, actually. No, if he was starting somewhere, then we would have. The yeah. fact that he's still a backup. The thing, the thing that sticks out to me when I think of Laurent Brassois, and this will be my junior hockey rant, is, man, those Oil Kings teams that were winning Mem Cups, winning WHL titles, you look at the nucleus of those teams, like Henrik Samuelson did not pan out. Griffin Reinhardt. Yeah. Eh. Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar is doing good things now in Buffalo. Looks like he's found a spot there. But like all those guys, Mark Pesek, I guess, went on to have a pretty good career. But in terms of the Memorial Cup teams, like none of the big names there panned out, but goalies, like the Oil Kings just knew how to produce goaltending. Like Brassois has had a good NHL career. Tristan Jari is, I mean, up and coming, but he's a starter in the league now. Um, And so where I'm going to this is the name you need to watch, the kid the Oil Kings have right now, Sebastian Kosa, who's 17 years old and like six foot five, 190 pounds. That's a guy to watch. Like he's probably going to go in the first round or very early in the second. He'll be one of the highest goalies taken. But uh, for those of you who care about the draft and uh, care about local hockey, Sebastian Kosa, for Saskatchewan product. He's a fucking beast. North of Sca- or speaking of local guys, you see who scored last night for the Sharks? Noah Grigor? Yeah. 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 Not too shabby. Famous Moose Jaw Warrior. Oh, big time. Yep. I was almost going to tweet something about it, and I was like, nope, that's one of the things Oilers Nation cannot tweet about. Oilers Nation cannot shout out Noah Gregor. That doesn't work like that. No, Gregor, and Gregor did, and Gregor should. Yep. Crazy Uh, Uncle? Crazy Uncle. He, I I like that picture that he posted of him, uh, of Gregor, uh, of Jason Gregor rocking the Noah Gregor jersey. I thought that was really good. He told me off so hard one time because our draft prospectus didn't have Noah higher. <laughs> no, 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 no. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, not gonna be accurate, but I'm gonna get the point across. So like we were doing our prospect profile and we were counting from 100 to one, and we were at like 50, and we haven't mentioned Noah Gregor yet, and that's where like. Gregor thought like that's where he, like like the consensus was where he would be is around fifty. So he was pissed at us because he thought we missed him, but we actually had him at like forty six. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually had him better. So but Greg- ever since then, Gregor's nickname is Crazy Uncle. Crazy Uncle. That's funny. 
Um, but he scored a goal. And if you use that name, Gregor, at Papa John's, you get 25% off your order. I do that you quite really? regularly. Yeah, that's one of Gregor's promotions on his show is you use the code word Gregor. What the fuck just happened here? What did just happen here? Are you going to sponsor the next segment by the Spindle Factory? <laughs> We're cross-pollinating oh, I got a car accident or some shit. Oh, jeez. That was a really All harsh right. reaction to me just shouting yeah, out. Yeah, apparently you thing. can shout out half of I legit goal. thought you got in car accidents. Yeah, me yeah. too. Try, like, try the Gregor Code at Twig and Berries yeah. and see what happens. You're reading the legend of the downtown businesses of Lacombe word for word. <laughs> he off-brand mentioned something he enjoys eating. Yeah, he, he goes on to promote the promo code for Papa John. Because it was relevant. Off in Lacombe with two gas It was relevant. We were talking about Gregor, and I used the code word Gregor at Papa John's on Friday. Yeah, and got I figured ex- if I figured if anybody wouldn't deem that or get that kind of uh, response from you guys, it would be your best buddy Jason Gregor. Well, he'll love it. Yeah, I know, but so why are you getting so mad at your chucking for it? I mean, shit. Yeah. It's your Pizza best friend, Pico. Jason Gregor. Why don't we just continue promoting promo kings for Oodle, Oodle King or Noodle King? <laughs> <laughs> You just pull off your face and you're in the noodle cake. That was a fake, a was a fake company, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. real well, we're giving it enough know. buzz that it's going to be real here right away. All right. All right. So, lesson learned. I will never show up. <laughs> never mention any company you like. I'm not, I won't oh, even mention, okay. you know, like what kind of clothes I like. None of that. Uh, uh-uh. It is only Twig and Berries and Oodle Noodle to be mentioned on this podcast. I've learned my lesson. Although I did have Oodle Noodle <laughs> not that long ago as well. And it was delicious. Uh, one of the things that we talked about in the mailbag, we also talked about this a lot on Oilers Nation Radio, but I'll bring it up here. It's the last Oilers note I had. What's everyone thought of Miko Koskinen so far? Chalmers, I'll start with you since you got the analyst cap oh, well, on for us today. You. What do you think of Miko so far this year? It, it has been very clear that everybody remembers that he had a weak glove hand because I see a lot of people shooting at it. I have noticed that it has been much, much better this year. I feel absolutely terrible for him that he has to play every single game. Um, <laughs> play seven of seven. Uh, they, <laughs> they panned to, to number 50 uh, yesterday at some point, and I had zero idea who that was. Um, so good on him. He's playing good. Uh, I don't think that I, I don't, I haven't really seen any, any goals that he's let in that I've been really uh, all that pissed off about. Um, every time I see him, I'm just like, man, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him that he is. I feel bad for us too, because we're in this position of having one only one goalie and losing a goalie before he can even play a game. So uh, I don't know. That's kind of my top of the mind thoughts. Do we know anything more about Smith and what the situation is? So Gregor was speculating, and actually, there's Noah a pe- or Jason. Jason, and there is a pizza <laughs> or the place. Promo code. Yeah, uh, but Gregor was speculating that it's a knee problem, or that's what he's heard. And then uh, Dave Tippett, or no, it was Stoffer said today that apparently Smith has been skating on his own here in Edmonton while the team's on the road. Um, but he's he isn't even allowed to play for 24 days after they put him on LTIR. So I don't know when that would be exactly, but um, it sounds like he'll be ready to come back once his 24-day stint's up. Maybe? I don't know. Where's I, the goalie we claimed? Yeah, I don't know where Troy... Last I heard, Troy Grosnick was in Montana at the border waiting to see if he was supposed to drive to Edmonton or not. So I would assume he's in Edmonton quarantining, but who knows? 
What a calamity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of quarantine rules, um, first off, that big trade, the Jets getting Pierre-Luc Dubois, giving up Patrick Laine, like fucking <laughs> massive, massive trade. And the other guy in there, Jack Roslovic, who was an RFA. I don't know how many people have seen this, but he's a Columbus, pro- like he was born in Columbus. Columbus boy. And since he didn't have a contract, he was just staying in Columbus and skating there. And then the Jets traded him to Columbus. So he had, he got to avoid the quarantine rules that the other players in the trade have because he's in Columbus. He's good to go. He's practicing with the team already. Um, and on the other side, kind of worked out for the Oilers that the Jets trade line A, lose a star forward, and Dubois is out of the lineup for like the next four games they play each other. Oh, I'm is it shocked. okay? That's good. I'm shocked at the fucking career arc of Patrick Line. Who had, like, yeah. man, you think about his rookie year, they were finished flashing him, he was getting everything, and now it's like, we're going to trade you for a guy who we know has problems coming back. No, Pierre-Luc Dubois is legit. Yeah. But he fell out of favor with Torch. If Patrick Laine had problems with Paul Maurice in Winnipeg, he's going to fucking love Torch in Columbus, won't he? Yeah. Well, I think well. the interesting part will be that Torts has, or sorry, Line is going to have that finished GM in Columbus, right? Like he might have oh. someone who's willing to to back him up a little. Like it, this might be the first time the Blue Jackets choose a star player over John Tortorella. But like I- internally, though, that yeah. can't be a good look when you're running to daddy all the time because the coach makes you upset. I wonder yeah. how the GM and Tortorella get along. I imagine the finished dude is being like very calm and data driven and finished, and then Torrance is being like ah. Yeah, Kekalainen's like a super, super bright guy. Um, going back yeah. to that draft, Matthews goes one, Line A two, Dubois three, Puglia Yarvi four. I mean, a year ago, even two years ago, who would have had Puglia Yarvi outlasting Dubois and Line a in his in their respective cities? Well, yeah, true. Yes, right. I mean, he took a bit of a break. Yeah, but he's back. <laughs> it's it's back. interesting to watch, but. Um, yeah, big trade, obviously, in the Jets. Just like that center depth in Winnipeg, if they want to roll four centers and just go Shifley, Dubois, Stastny, Lowry, that's unreal. Unreal. That is unreal. So good. Yeah. I'm, why don't you I'm, marry I'm, them then, Tyler? Yeah, if you love them so much, why don't you just go talk about them for real? Easy, Wanye. Why don't you go marry Matt Kachuk, who's busy you trying think to hurt me? I mean, no. <laughs> Matt marry Matt Kachuk. Did you Matt see Kachuk, that play? did you see yeah, did you see what he did to Jack Campbell last night? It was greasy. Yeah, so oh, greasy. So man. greasy. So greasy. He's such a bag of shit. Yeah, like Love he him. dropped his knee on Jack Campbell's head and like <laughs> wasn't even very subtle about it. And then today, Not even at all. Then today they asked him about it and he's like, oh yeah, classic. Everyone's trying to say I did it on purpose. <laughs> it was like... I always remember when he was having... Well, what do you expect him to say? He was doing the press conference with Talbot. He'd done something shady. And then the press conference, he's like, I would never do that on purpose. And Talbot was like ready to cry because he was lying in a press conference. I don't know what I was expecting him to say, but like, I don't know. That's just kind of such like a, a guilty, something a guilty person says. Like, oh yeah, everyone's just blaming me. It's like, oh, yeah, they are. He's just his bluster. It was a real death plot wood. Yeah. Oh man. Matt Kachuk. This Canadian division, man. Right now, like things haven't really can't go bull- away. No, it I can't agree. go away. <laughs> it doesn't. I know that that Canucks games would start at one a.m. in Toronto, but fuck those people anyway. Hey, I yeah, just, like talking I, about. Yeah, go ahead, Bag Mouth. And then I'll I just like around. this season is this division is so much more fun. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking boring games against the Coyotes. Nope. Everything means more. The pressure's cranked up. 
the hatred's starting to build a little bit, and I just don't. I understand time zones, blah blah blah, but I don't understand how they can get away from this Canadian division next year because it is so fucking good, so much better. It is the yeah. only reason they can't keep doing it is one, they don't like the travel. Two, expansion, right? Like every team needs to have eight divisions after this year, and like, what would it be? Every like, team needs to have eight divisions. Oh, sorry, every eight divi- teams in the division. Yeah, sorry, oh. other way around. Um, like, what like, are you envisioning? I don't know. Uh, but like, where would you like? You can't put Seattle in the Canadian division and be like, it's seven Canadian teams and Seattle. Like that would you be. Can and you should. You can put Detroit, or you can put Seattle. Yep, we'll take one of the two. Or you move- want Octopi, or do you want that fish throwing place? Or or you or you move the Florida Panthers to Quebec. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. You can do that all the time. That'd probably be the smart play is to is to move the Panthers, but that's not going to happen. They're going to go back to normal, and we're going to go back to having to like give a shit about the L.A. Kings when they roll into town. But I agree with you, Bag Milk. One, I'm barely paying attention to what's happening south of the border in the NHL. I really True. only care about yeah. the North. And uh, like every game, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, this better not go to overtime. I'll be pissed if this is a three point game. Ah, Leafs are playing the Flames, and I'm like, oh, why can't they both lose? Fuck. The best. This yep. is how it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really liking these miniseries, too. The idea of going back-to-back against people. Those are great. a different flavor. It's a little bit of baseball into NHL, and I like it. I hope that doesn't go anywhere, either. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm just seeing I also look. thought the uh, seat coverings at the arena in Winnipeg were nice, the Royal Blue. Yep. In the stands. I, I don't know if that counts anything, Yemchuk, but I thought that. <laughs> After the Oilers beat the Canucks, my cousin Jake tweeted out he was like at Oilers do something about the ugly gray seat coverings look at around the league like <laughs> blue is way more beautiful and I told him I was like I was like no complaining when they win you save that complaint for when they lose oh man I love this is it eh? during a deathly pandemic we're like take the seat covers you idiot <laughs> I was wondering yesterday how they got those seat covers so tight and so nice in Winnipeg like it's like uh I think they have like a wooden frame that they just like place over the seats and then wrap the tarp around it They've been not a lot of ads on the on the seats in Winnipeg, though, I noticed. they got a lot of empty real estate out there. Easily sneak one in for Mitzi's Chicken Fingers there. Oh, yeah, oh. you got to plug Mitzi. They don't need to advertise. <laughs> oh, hey, what are you doing bringing up this Chicken Finger place, Jay? Come on, they don't sponsor the pod. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I'm not advertising other people's promo code. You got a promo code? I'm talking code? about... I'm talking about an institution <laughs> in Winnipeg. I never heard of Mitzi's. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah, wow. have you been to Winnipeg? Nope. Yeah, been to the Forks. Yeah. Oh, you've been oh. to the Forks. You yeah. haven't been to Winnipeg unless you've been to Mitzi's. I man. would agree. I've been to Earl's on Portage La Ferre. Yeah, of course you go to Earl's. You didn't take a cab there, I guarantee it. Or if you did, you didn't. They didn't let your friends in. No, I've been to, I've been to Winnipeg probably ten times, man. You didn't fly but, there once. That's yes, I did. I, no, oh, yeah, you're you're airport. Right, I did. You no. fly into Brandon. My wife, my wife used to live in Brandon. If she fly, if I, fly to the Gander Air Force Base, and you come there in a military helicopter. The old Johnson Farm allows planes to land every now and then, but that's can't right. call it an fly, flying into, yeah. <laughs> I flew it on a crop duster. So, yeah. All right. Well, and uh, just one more time, the amount of people that get really upset about that joke over and over again, uh-huh. no matter how often we say it against the Winnipeg Jets, we'll never get old tweet. Did you see? I shared that tweet that uh, there's a. There's a uh, Not Wings Nation and other Red Wings blog tweeted about how uh, Winnipeg doesn't have an airport. Oh, nice. Like, 
I just love how this thing is transcended. It's just phenomenal. <laughs> I'll never forget when you first started the joke and you tricked a local reporter into it. And I was just like, I was watching the newscast at home and I was like, oh my God, what is going on on the TV right now? And I like felt bad, but I was like, because I don't know, like at first when, when the joke first came out, even <laughs> me for a second, having never been to Winnipeg, I was like, really? Like there's no airport like in Winnipeg? And then you kind of shake your head and you but go, We haven't no. got around to it yet. Uh, I Sean remember Park, Sean Park yesterday was literally like, wait. Is there is there actually not an airport in Winnipeg? And I, was like, <laughs> I had a guy one time tweet at me. I'm in the airport right now and took a photo. And it was like, welcome to Winnipeg. And I'm like, you must be mistaken. That must be the train station. Probably Winnipeg, Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Winnipeg. All right. You know there's an Edmonton, Kentucky or Amtrak? Did you know that? Really? And it's listed as an airport code on Expedia. Huh. Don't go there. More There's know. also a Paris There's an Kentucky evil Kentucky. Tyler your Amtrak there. And he talks on local radio. And he, too, loves Twig and Berries. And using the promo code NATION15 to get 15% off your order at Twig and Berries. And literally never <laughs> using another promo code anywhere else in your life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the way. That's right. the spirit. That's a good transition point for this podcast here. Because we are going to be joined by a special guest here on the Real Life Podcast. Always a pleasure whenever we can get a former oiler to hop on and share some stories with us. And we're joined now by former oiler, veteran of 100 NHL games, Liam Reddix. Liam, how's it going, man? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Appreciate you uh, giving me some time here. Excited to chat about your career a little bit and uh, want to just start right from the beginning here. One of the things we love doing when we get former players on the pod is talking about the come up a little bit. And for yourself, I mean, I was looking back through your numbers in minor hockey in Ontario and I mean, you were a goal scorer. You were a point producer from a young age. I guess where I want to start is I think all Canadian kids kind of have, you know, the dream of making it to the NHL. But for you, when was the moment where it went from just being a dream to like, oh man, I think I actually have a shot to make the NHL here. Great question. Um, it, it really wasn't until I got the phone call yeah. to, uh, to get the call up to Edmonton, actually. Um, you know, I, I, like you said, I, I, I was always scoring points and, and, uh, being a big contributor offensively, uh, throughout my, uh, career in the OHL, minor hockey, all that stuff. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't even really in my mind. Uh, the NHL, it was just always focused on, um, the present. I always had that mentality that, okay. When I'm in Peterborough, all I'm worried about is trying to be the best player for Peterborough. Um, and then when I got drafted, going to um, the Oilers camp, um, super intimidating. Um, you know, you don't really think about it, but then once you get there, you're like, you're just awestruck that you're you're on the ice with with some of these superstars that you grew up watching. Um, and I just, I, I didn't... I didn't ever think that I would be able to, to crack the lineup. Um, but my focus was being the best player for the HL farm team. And I think that mentality and that, um, you know, that grind to, to be the best um, for the team that I was playing with really pushed me um, to get to that, uh, you know, the, the NHL. 
you talked about getting the call when you, when you first found out you were going up to the NHL. Uh, what do you remember about it? Who made the call? What was kind of going through your head when that happened? You know what? I can't, I can't remember who made the call, but I was, I was in Enfield, Connecticut. Um, I had just finished practice. Um, I was playing for, for the Springfield Falcons. Um, and it was just goosebumps. Uh, my jaw dropped. Uh, I tried calling my parents, couldn't get a hold of them. <laughs> tried calling my sister, couldn't get a hold of her. I don't know who else I tried calling, but I ended up calling, um, getting a hold of Chris Moynes, who um, is my my financial advisor with with One Sports. He was the only one that would pick up the phone. <laughs> I just wanted to tell someone, didn't know who to tell, um, and he ended up being the guy that I I told first that I got the the phone call. You ended up playing in an even 100 NHL games, but what do you remember about game one? Like, was there that welcome to the NHL moment at some point where like, did you get your bell rung early on in the game? Do you remember like looking out of the crowd? I mean, like, man, shit, I can't believe I'm here right now. I remember it being, uh, I believe it was a St. Louis blues. Um, I think, uh, Kyle Brodziak took warmups and then he couldn't go. So then I got tossed in my second shift. I got a breakaway against Toivonen and I choked. I thought, oh my gosh, first shift, I'm going to light up this goalie. And I just couldn't, I got it on my backhand. I couldn't, uh, couldn't get the puck over his pad. But um, at one point of the night, I remember lining up and uh, Dougie Waite was on the ice, I believe, uh, Paul Correa. And I was like, are you kidding me? Am I, am I actually on the ice with these guys? Really cool feeling. Um, and, and one I'll, I'll remember forever. It's a great tie-in because our guest on the podcast next week is going to be Kyle Brodziak. We're going to chat with him a little bit. Um, while we're on the topic of first, what do you remember about the first goal? First goal was, uh, the, the following season we were playing, uh, at home against, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. It was me, uh, Pisani and, and Cogs that were out on the ice. And I can't remember who shot the puck. I think it might've been Pies, but he shot it in the slot. It went off the back wall and it popped right out to the side of the net. I had an open net. I just <laughs> raised, raised the puck over, over uh, Budai's, Budai's pad there. And uh, I think I did like four or five different sellies because it <laughs> it took a minute to sink in. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to go down on one knee. Then it was like, all right, now I got to jump into the glass. Like I, I just couldn't contain my, all my emotions. It was uh, it was an awesome feeling. I, I've noticed you, you remember the goalies and all these specific plays. Do you have like a pretty good memory of like things that happened throughout your career? There's just certain particulars that I remember to be honest with you. Like before I got on here with you, I was talking to my wife and I was like, you know what? I can't, I wish I could remember more because yeah. it was, um, it was so, it felt so quick. And I feel like I didn't really take it in because it was just like every day you're showing up, you're trying to earn your, earn your keep. And, um, you never really get to, not that you want to be in a, a comfortable, uh, state, but yeah. there was just never that for me. It was always, am I going to get the letter to go back down? You know, that was the feeling. So I yeah. couldn't really enjoy it, but I do. Uh, I do have bits and pieces that I really remember vividly. 
I heard an interview that Andrew Cogliano did a couple months ago, and he talked about how there was a point in his career where he had to shift his mind from, okay, I'm going to be an offensive guy that scores, you know, 30 goals a year. I need to learn to be more defensively, defensively sound. If I want to make in this league, I got to learn how to penalty kill and all that for you as a guy who scored so much in junior, was there ever an adjustment you had to make when you got to the pro game that like, Hey, I'm not putting up a point of game anymore. Like there are other things I need to focus on doing if I want to be successful at the pro level. I was, I was actually really lucky. My last year in Peterborough, we had a fantastic hockey yeah. team. Um, and before that, I was always the main man. Um, but that last year in Peterborough, we had uh, Jordan Stahl, uh, Steve Downey, Pat Coletta, Dan Ryder, uh, list goes on and on. So I kind of got bumped down um, on the pecking order. And I, I went to like the PP2 and I was doing more penalty killing. And Dick Todd was the coach and he really, uh, he really focused my game on being a more complete hockey player. I think that was the, uh, where it really started. And then um, the, next, the next year, the following year, I went uh, to the East Coast uh, to Stockton Thunder and um, didn't have a great start. Um, and I just, uh, early on, I got knocked out of the lineup and I just had to find a way to get back in. And that started in practice. And it was just like, I treated every practice, like it was a game seven and, uh, just trying to, just trying to earn it every day. Um, and that's really where I, I found my niche that I was just going to be, uh, every day put in the work, uh, grind and, and just do whatever I can to be, um, you know, that player that can uh, play any position and do whatever uh, they ask of me. When you finally made the jump to Edmonton, I mean, you talked about, you know, showing up at the camp and having all these guys around you and just kind of being starstruck. What were your first impressions of the Oilers organization when you finally got here? Cause I mean, when you got to the Oilers, they were kind of at a point that here at Oilers nation, like we've dubbed that the decade of darkness, but what, if, what, what were your first impressions when you got there? Um, like in, in terms of just, the, the whole experience. Yeah. Or? Like the culture, you know, just being around that kind of group they had at the time. I mean, it was coaches in and out the door for, for a lot of it as well, but, but the culture inside that organization, sort of what were your first impressions when you got there? Um, you know what? I was just so, again, like I said, just so starstruck and like in awe that I didn't really get a chance to really pick my head up and be like, uh, yeah. you know, take in all of those different things. I can tell you that, um, you know, the, the older guys, the, the Horkoffs, the, the Moros, um, they were, they were great leaders. They, they were very good to me. Um, they made me feel welcome, um, made me feel a part of the team. And, and even the younger guys, like, uh, like we spoke about Brodziak, uh, Cogs, uh, Gagne, like these, uh, Tom Gilbert, uh, these guys really, uh, took me under their wing and, and, and tried to show me the ropes. Jason Strudwick, awesome, like the best teammate I've ever <laughs> played with. Just an awesome dude. Um, so there was, there was a lot of good things. Um, you know, I, I, I can't put a finger on what, yeah. what actually was the, the problem. Yeah, man. Hey, if you, if you could have pointed out the problem at the time, I'm sure you would have made a lot of money as an executive <laughs> in the league. Um, so you end up, like I said, play a hundred games in the NHL and in every year was, you know, a few in the American league, few in the NHL. 
and you eventually decide or you eventually go over to Europe. What went into that decision for you? Because like I, I've heard that it's always a struggle for players to make that choice because sort of as soon as you go over to Europe and you stop doing the AHL, NHL thing, like in a way you're almost saying, okay, like I'm done in the NHL. Like it is a new chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there was, uh, there was a lot of back and forth that uh, final year. I wanted to get something done with um, with Edmonton and I had drawn a line in the sand for where I thought I should be and and we couldn't we couldn't get there um, I had gotten a great offer from uh, the Vecqua Lakers um, just gotten married the previous year and uh, she was going to be joining me and I didn't want to be doing the traveling back and forth and having her sitting somewhere else while I could be potentially, um, you know, not really having a home. Um, and then also just, um, you know, with, with the team not doing so great, they were getting a lot of picks and I was looking at the depth chart and I was thinking like, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to, to be one of those guys that's going to continue to keep getting those, those call-ups. And uh, so there was a lot of different pieces that went into, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't regret the decision because the next eight, nine years in in Vecwa were some of the greatest years that, that I had playing hockey. When you first jumped over, did you did you even imagine that it could have that it would go on as long as it did, and you'd have as much success as you did there? Like like you said, almost a decade playing in that league with the same organization. Yeah, no, that was never never the intention. Um, when when we did decide to go over there, the intention was that um, I would hopefully have a, a a good season, maybe two, and then try and get myself back back to North America. Um, I did get requalified, so that kind of, um, slowed the process down of, um, and, and gave me an extra year over, over in Europe where I was just like, you know what, I, we really love it over here. Um, we're happy. And, and that was kind of the deciding factor that, uh, that made us end up staying over there for so long. How big of an adjustment is it, not just from like the on ice style, which is a big part of it, but the lifestyle as well from going to from the American League to making the jump and playing pro overseas instead? It was it was different in a lot of aspects. Like you said, obviously, the the style of play is a, a huge difference. The size of the ice, um, it's only a couple of meters, but it like time the time you have with the puck um, these sorts of things changes the whole dynamic of the game um, but also the the mentality of the teams um, in the AHL you're a team but everyone's fighting for the spot up in the NHL right so there's camaraderie but there's also a lot of um it's inner There's competition a lot, right? going on, yeah. a lot of stuff going on in the background. Um, and over, over in Europe, it's completely different. There's, there's just a, a synergy between the, the teams, the good teams that I played on that um, I've never felt uh, that, uh, that unity in a group um, 
that I had over in, in Europe that, um, that I had in, in North America. So, so that was a really, really cool experience to, to have those experiences with, with some really good hockey teams over in Europe. I, I've never been to a game overseas, but the one thing, whenever people go, they're always like, man, the crowds, like the crowds are just nuts there. And you played in a Rexall place that would get pretty jumping at times. How do you compare, like what's, how's the energy different? How's the crowd different when you compare a sold out Rexall place to a sold out barn in the Swedish league? They're, they're, un, they're uncomparable. Um, Cause obviously it gets louder, crazy loud at Rexall. I think of uh, the rink in, in San Jose that's just like electrifying when they're standing up. But then you have um, the rinks over in Europe, at, at least where I was playing in Vecqua, um, that holds 5,500. But it's a smaller rink. They're so loud and you have all 5,500 people jumping <laughs> at the same time on cue. <laughs> It's like, a, it's like the roof's going to come down on you. It's a whole different, it's a whole different level. So it's just, it's, it's different. It's, it's more, uh, I guess it's just more intimate where, where you feel yeah. like they're, they're right on the ice with you all the time, which is cool. Now let's talk about the flip side of a crazy packed barn. I don't know how much hockey you watch nowadays, but could you imagine having to play an NHL game in one of the rinks right now where it's just silent? <laughs> I do. I do. And I, I have watched some of the hockey and it's, I got a lot of respect for those guys that are, are doing what they do um, at the level that they're doing it without the fans. Um, that has got to be extremely difficult. I would, I would think to, to be, to be playing in the NHL and having, having an empty barn. Crazy. Yeah, like like one of the big topics early in the season for the Oilers, at least, has been, you know, like a guy like Zach Cassian, who usually just loves the energy of the crowd. He throws a big hit and there's 18,000 people screaming right after it. And now he throws a big hit and it's automated crowd noise that gets like 10 decibels louder, like as an energy guy as well. Like it, it would probably just be the craziest sort of mind game to have to play that when you do something big, you're not getting the banging on the glass or anything. It's just nothing. For sure. And it's already like the seasons are already like a mental grind and um, you know, some nights you're going out there and you're sore and you're beat up and the fans are what give, gives you that extra kick in the butt to like get going, you know? And when that's not there and you have a guy, like you said, Zach Cassian, that, that really feeds off, off that energy. Um, and there's lots of guys in the league like him that uh, man props for, for yeah. what they're, for what they're doing right now. Speaking of uh, the season going on right now, the all Canadian division, I mean, I'm sure you've been a part or you have been a part of battle of Alberta's, you know, Edmonton versus Vancouver, that rivalry as well. Can you imagine having to play one of those teams nine, 10 times, not just in like a normal season, nine, 10 times in like three months. Absolute war zone. <laughs> I, don't, I hope these guys don't hurt each other. Cause I can only imagine like in the A I couldn't stand when you had to play teams nine, 10 times. Cause by the fifth, sixth game, it's like a bloodbath. It's crazy. So for these guys to, to be doing these little mini series within the, within the regular season uh, is cool in a, in a sense, because it's, it's fun to watch. Cause you, you see those little battles going, going on within 
the games, but for them to be doing that uh, on a consistent basis, going into these little mini series, that's a, that's a tough, tough grind for sure. A few more for you, Liam. And this is one I love asking guys who play in Europe and you seem to be good at remembering names. I'm thinking you'll give me an answer here, but in terms of guys you maybe played with or against in Europe, is there one guy who was just so skilled, but never quite made the jump to the NHL, like a teammate, anyone you played against, you just, you'd watch and go, I don't understand how this guy isn't an all-star in the NHL, but for some reason it just, it just didn't work. I mean, maybe it's a guy you played with in like the American league as well, who just never quite made that jump, but was just insanely skilled. Um, Tommy, Tommy Callio is one name that comes okay. to mind. Uh, I can't remember where he got drafted, but he had a heck of a career, heck of a career over, over in Europe. And, um, I played with him in Vecqua. Uh, another guy that I think of is, uh, Yoki Lidstrom, who's in Sheleftia. I think, uh, recently he went over and he, he, he almost made, uh, the team in St. Louis, maybe. I uh, got traded to Toronto. This guy leads the league like every year in, in the SHL and you get him the puck on the power play and it's, it's a goal. <laughs> just get Yoki the puck and it's a goal. But for whatever reason, it just didn't translate over, over here in North America. I don't know if it's because of the extra room he has on the power play with, with the wider ice. Um, but this guy, he could play. Um, he's still playing and he's still right up there in, in the points. Uh, he's one, one guy that comes to mind when I, when I think of guys that didn't actually make it. And we'll end it with this one. Uh, you're a former Oiler. This is an Oilers podcast on Oilers Nation. So give us your best Oilers memory, whether it's you know a game, a run of games, a goal you scored, maybe something that happened in the room, anything like that. What would be your, your number one Oilers memory? My, my number one Oilers memory. Wow. I'm hitting you with hard ones. (laughs) (laughs) I always, I'll, I'll never forget taking the LRT to the games and having to get off the LRT, jump the fence to an NHL hockey game, jumping the fence to, to go down the stairs to get into the player where the players enter that's one memory that always I always think about that it's crazy that I was playing in the NHL, taking the LRT, jumping a fence to get to a hockey game. Awesome though. I think that's amazing. Um, and another one is uh, I got I got called up and Kelly Buckberger tells me, all right, when you land, get right to the rink, um, drop your stuff off and um, go from there. So, the team was playing on the road uh, the night before. So I get to Edmonton at like six in the morning, show up to, to Rexall and I get let in and then I get to the room, but the, the sliding doors won't open. So I'm smashing on the doors. Um, I hadn't slept all night cause I was so excited. I got called up and then I was like, all right, forget it. I'm just gonna lay here for a sec. So I was laying on my bag out front of the, the sliding doors at Rexall yeah. um, where they, where the players come out of the room and I fell asleep and at 1130, I can't remember who came and got me, but the trainers finally got home yeah. from, 
where they, wherever they were coming from. And they were like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, coach told me to come right to the rink. He was like, buddy, go, go back to the Sutton place. We'll unpack your stuff. The guys <laughs> have a day off. Like, I don't know what you're doing here, but I was just <laughs> like, I was so embarrassed, but um, those are, those are two kind of stories that, that stick out to me. Um, when I think of my time in Edmonton, minus obviously my first goal, my yeah. last goal. Um, funny, my last goal was again against Colorado, but this time in Colorado against Peter Budai. So I scored my first goal against Peter and I scored my last goal against Peter. Huh. I had gone 44 games um, that season without a goal. I had nine assists. I had like 84 shots, hadn't scored all year. Kelly again, Kelly Buckberger um, says, man, you got to change your tape. Why are you using white tape? You're not a sniper. You're a grinder. Put black tape on your stick. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. I've always used white tape. I'm not going to white tape. So then I went out for that game and I got to my stick on the stall and Bucky had taken all my tape <laughs> off, taped up my stick with black tape. And I went out and scored a goal. And that was the last goal, goal I uh, scored in the NHL. So that's pretty cool too. Were you, were you a superstitious guy at all? Like when you'd go on a run like that where you didn't score, like were you doing anything? Were you eating different things for meals and all that? Or, or were you just kind of, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go out there, play hard. And if I score, I score. Yeah, I was never really focused on stats, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. So um, I would change different things just because I like trying new things. But in terms of, in terms of the tape, I, I never really wanted to mess around with the tape, but I always used white tape. I didn't like, I didn't like the look of black tape. Didn't like looking down on the ice and seeing the black tape with, with the puck on my stick. So, um, but no, I wasn't overly, overly superstitious. I love that you brought up the fact you had to jump the the fence from the LRT station. Cause like, I remember as a kid going to games at Rexall and having to park like three blocks away and it'd be like minus 25 in February. I mean, my dad would be like walking and then you get through the LRT station and all that. And like, you go into that old barn there and you compare it to what they have now. And it, it's like, you guys used to have to park if you drove like on that ramp outside. And now it's like a heated underground thing. Like I look at that. I'm like, man, the guys that played at Rexall, there was probably, you probably have some great stories about like weird little Rexallisms, things throughout the rink. I mean, the press box being where it was, that was a hell of a barn. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, Liam, really appreciate your time, man. Uh, this was a really great chat. Like going, uh, going back through memory lane with you. Appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you. All right, there you go. That is former NHLer Liam Reddix. I love, uh, love that story about him falling asleep on his bag. And that is going to wrap up episode 250 of the Real Life Podcast. Shout out to Oodle Noodle. Shout out to Twig and Berries. 15% off. That is the only promo code you need in your life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing to the pod. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.